Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Santa H., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater for today. Today is Monday, May 9th, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 60, the last paragraph, beginning with the first requirement that we be convinced. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Terry F. F., The Twelve Traditions, Chelsea H., and reading the literature today are Judy S., Carrie P., and Terry H. And the share ID for Sunday, May 8th, our special edition meeting by Harlem G., let's back up a bit, is 8723. Eight, seven, two, three. OA Preambles. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting, or, nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Terry F. S. to read the 12 steps, please. Terry, if you're speaking, we do not hear you. Oh, there I go. Now I'm unmuted. Sorry about that. This is Terry F.S., and I am a recovering compulsive overeater, and I live in New Hampshire. The 12 steps. Can you, you hear me now? Perfectly. Thank you. Okay. Great. Thank you. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Uh, sorry. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, Humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, 
made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Terry F.S. I will now ask Chelsea H. to please read the 12 traditions. Thank you for your service, Santa. This is Chelsea H., Recovered Compulsive Eater, for today. Our common welfare should come first, the 12 traditions. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Three, uh, five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any facility, related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional. Our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these um, traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Chelsea H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. 
Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 60, the last paragraph beginning with the first requirement that we be convinced. And we'll read two paragraphs ending, is he not in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? The first paragraph is for content and comments focus on the second paragraph read. I will now ask Judy S. to begin reading. Please. Thank you, Santa. This is Judy S., a recovered compulsive overeater just for today. The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we are almost always in con- collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. What usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. Still, the play does not suit him. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he is sure that other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only he manages well? Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Is he not, even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? All right. Well, this, uh, this paragraph, what usually happens, yep, this is what happens <laughs> when I try to run the show, when I am... Uh, if, if I am using my self-will, this is what happens to me. Um, I blame others. I mean, this is my life before I came into uh, a way, before I studied the big book and really, really did the steps. I, I was like, why, why aren't people doing what I want? What's, what's wrong with them? <laughs> Had not a clue it was me. Um, and, you know, pointing fingers, you know, and, and I was just talking about this the other day, you know, pointing that one finger at somebody, you know, there's three fingers pointing back at myself. But I actually see that in my head when I, when I want to blame somebody else, that, that 
that pointy finger thing is like, woo, you know, um, that is an awareness I have now. As soon as I, I have that thought, it's like, no, 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 uh-uh, because that's all about, you know, self. It's it's like, why don't aren't they doing what I want? And, um, yeah, I was under a delusion. That word delusion is... Um, because I, I thought I thought I was doing really well because I was gracious, you know. I was just trying to be helpful. I was just telling them, you know, that I was showing them how to fix it. Uh, my intentions were really good. I had basically, I just had not a clue. I really, really thought I was doing a good thing, but my actions, you know, the thought the thoughts I had were like, okay, this is what I'll do. And then I, I would just act on those thoughts. And it was insane to think that I could change somebody. So it all comes down to, for me, you know, anytime I am disturbed, it's not, it's not that other person. It's me. It is me that needs to change because, and I'm insane, you know, that kind of behavior is insane. That's what they're talking about. And the only way I can not be insane is to depend on a higher power and get out of self. No more self-pitying. No more self, self-will. self No more self-propulsion. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Judy S. And who would like to comment on the second paragraph read for approximately three minutes? We're on page 61 if you just joined us. Kim G. Good morning, Nessa. Larry. Melissa. Melissa C. This is Bella. Can I share? Melissa. Hi, this is Harper. Can I share? Bella. Carol G. Harper. Carol. Okay, this is who I have. I have Nessa R. Kim G. Larry K. Melissa C. Bella G. Harper and Carol. Anyone else? Good morning, Nessa R. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R. I recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, These two paragraphs describe me and my life to a T before recovery Um, because I lived by very lofty values, don't you know? And how can it not be God's will that everybody around me lived by those same values? And I, I was a bulldozer. You know, I, I honestly believe that I could only be happy if my loved ones would just, um, you know, be on the same page as I was value-wise. And not only I would be happier, they would be happier. But it didn't work that way, you know. Um, people were not so willing to, to go along with my program. They were not um, really buying into it. And, of course, I exerted myself, myself more. I wasn't, I guess, I guess at that point I wasn't truly convinced that life run on self-will could hardly be a success. And, um, of course, uh, my loved ones retaliated, and I got exactly the opposite of what I was working for. And, you know, the, the last thing that I got was happiness. I never really got any happiness, nor 
beat um, my the people around me. It was it was just misery all around. Uh, now it's totally different. Now I don't try to manage anything or anyone. I live by my values, and everybody else can live whatever by whatever values they want. I try to be a role model of you know attraction rather than promotion. And if they choose it, great. And if they don't choose it, that's also great. And for the most part, I must say they're not choosing to live um, the way I I live, and that's fine, you know. But I realize now that I I can be happy regardless of what people around me choose to do because my happiness does not depend on external circumstances. My happiness depends on doing God's will, and I know it's God's will that I don't ram any values on people's throats, no matter how lofty they may be. You know, everybody has their own journey, just like I have my own journey, and I need to recognize that. Um, and I'm really happy that I did. I no longer live angrily, indignantly, or in a self-pitying way. Um, I let go of the delusion that my happiness depends on what everybody else does or chooses. And, you know, things are working so much better for me, for my family, and for everyone around me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Nessa R. And good morning, Kim G. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, the more that I get into this this 12-step work, the more I realize that the spiritual life, which is what I need to do as a compulsive overeater, um, is the opposite of what life tells me, what what my human experience. It's it's filled with paradoxes. You know, this is not a self-help program. This is really a self-abandonment program. And I'm being taught in step three how my life is when I'm living on self-care, when I'm living on self. And I have to abandon these ways and turn towards a spiritual life. So I like to read these, um, this paragraph in first person. I'm just going to talk about three of the things that really hit me and, and how it's opposite of the way that I was taught in the world. You know, um, am I not a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? I think we specifically as women come into this program thinking, well, we're not, we're not selfish. You know, I'm, a, I'm not a self-seeker. I'm a, I'm a people pleaser. I'm always doing for other people. But what I realized when I got into this work is when I was, quote-unquote, helping others, what would have been more factual and true is if I said to you, let me help you so that I can manipulate you to do what you, I want you to do so I can feel comfortable. Let me help you so I can enjoy a certain, certain reputation even though I know I don't deserve it. Let me help you so that you can tell other people how wonderful I am because I feel like a piece of crap. And the idea that am I not really the victim of the delusion I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only I manage well. And I'll tell you, as my 11th step, I say out of my mother, out of my job, out of my dogs. Because this, to me, is what living life on life's terms is. I'm told I have to manage well. I have to control the world better. If I can make the world look a certain way, that I'm going to feel safe. And what I find out in the spiritual world is the reason that I feel so unsafe is because I'm so dependent on the managing of the outside world. And then the last one is, am I not even in my best moments, my best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? So to me, this is the whole idea in when life tells us, oh, Kim, you've got to find balance. You've got to find balance. And I have to tell you, I can have all pistols flaring. I can be on my best game. And I produce confusion rather than harmony. So I often ask myself, if I'm in confusion, 
that means I'm, I'm practicing Kim's vision. If I'm in harmony, I'm practicing God's vision. So these sentences are very important because when I am identifying in with these sentences, I'm identifying in with the world around me, the world that I have felt utterly trying to make. So right now I'm being taught, can I, I'm going to make a decision to turn away from self, to turn away from people-pleasing, to turn away from life on life's terms, to turn away from finding balance, to turn away from self-care, to abandon myself utterly to a power greater than myself, which will produce harmony, will produce peace, will produce serenity. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kim G. Good morning, Larry Kay. Good morning, Santa. Thanks for your service. Um, Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, uh, you know, as someone who, uh, you know, who lived a life uh, where where I was the director, uh, that's for sure. I was the director. No, it didn't. Life didn't come off too well for me. You know, I was living on self propulsion. So here, here's my truth. I, I don't know about yours, but here's mine. You know, to live life constantly trying to be perfect, it was, it was utterly exhausting. You know, trying to, to live like this was merely, uh, you, know, uh, you know, this was my deal, over-intellectualizing everything, that was exhausting. To live in judgment of others every day, that, that was exhausting. Hiding my character flaws from you, you know, while, while at the same time trying to win your admiration, you know, uh, through my virtuousness, uh, train wreck, exhausting, you know, wearing many masks <laughs> that, that it took to appear that I had life figured out, uh, exhausting. Self-deception bred emotional illness for me. You know, holding my breath underwater, binging my brains out every day, exhausting. Struggling in the search for a new diet, exhausting. You see, what, what I know today is that, you know, ending the struggle of being in charge that was, it was counterintuitive, but that was true freedom for me. And living a life of congruence with my higher power means freedom. No longer running away from my problems, but seeing the blessing in them is freedom. So living a life where love and tolerance is my code, you know, not perfectly, but, but it means, you know, I, I sold the business devoted to judgment and fear, and, and, and I'm not the same guy that I used to be. Self-sufficiency to God's sufficiency, to others' sufficiency is, is a healthy way for me to live. I don't know about you. And, and life will never be perfect, but the, the shackles of desiring perfection have been removed. I'm free today. It's not just that I resign from the debating society and, and the research and development committee. The truth is I'm no longer drooling outside the window, looking in, trying to really secretly, you know, want to become part of those prestigious groups, you know. There's a freedom in swimming with the stream rather than up the stream. So anyways, um, th th this is a deal that works for me. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Larry Kay. Good morning, Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Sasha. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. I recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, it's dawning on me how much um, energy I wasted, how much time. Um, just trying to run the entire world, everything around me. And I was failing at my own life miserably. You know, all I had to do was get on the scale. You know, over 300 pounds, chances are you're not managing very well. And 
I used to walk around saying that I, I wish I could clone myself. That was like one of my favorite things I used to say. I wish I could clone me because, you know, I have too much to do with the day. And um, the reality is, is that I was paying attention to things that were none of my business. Um, and so, of course, it left me no time. Um, you know, I'm living in this recovered life. I'm amazed at the time I do have to get true happiness and satisfaction. And, you know, and that was the other thing that dawned on me this morning. What is happiness and satisfaction? And, you know, to somebody who's um, not in a 12-step program and not working this program, they would think that happiness is, that's a worthy goal. To say, like, okay, so everyone should be happy. Everybody should feel satisfied. And yet, that's that's part of my problem. That's the crux of my problem because I could never get happy or satisfied. You know, that's that's the delusional thinking that would say, have a cookie. It'll feel good. You'll be satisfied. You can have one. There is no satisfaction for someone like me because I have uh, like that empty kit inside at times. And the only thing that can fill it is higher power. It's is um service, is giving, is without controlling, you know, and so now the difference is my husband can tell me something that happens at work and I used to tell him exactly what he should do and then get aggravated because this fifty something year old man wasn't listening to me. You know, and, and he would get annoyed because he just wanted to tell me what was happening. You know, and so today when somebody comes to me with some sort of a dilemma or a problem, I don't know the answer. Who am I to think that I could tell anybody, you know, how to operate? But I can listen, you know, I can um, I can just uh, be a sounding board. Often that's all that people really need. And uh, thank you. With that, I'll pass. And thank you, Melissa C. Good morning, Bella G. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Santa, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such a wonderful, wonderful paragraph today. And, you know, every everything is me, a producer of confusion rather than harmony. Yes, you know, before the program, I was connected to my ego, to my power. I believed in my power, but I didn't trust myself. And I wanted so much to be accepted. I wanted so much that you should accept me, that you should trust me. And, you know, my life was based on people pleaser. And, yes, I was very kind, but only for one reason, that you should accept me. I, it was, I was a kind person, but only for one reason, that you should accept me and you should say how wonderful I am and how, how powerful I am. And I didn't understand why I am so angry, why I am so jealous, why I am so disappointed all the time, why whatever I am doing, I am still not accepted. And, you know, and I was confused because I really didn't understand. I thought and I believed that I am 
a kind person and I am doing everything, you know, that, you know, whatever people were accepting for me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. And today I am connected to a higher power, to a higher power that loves me and accepts me. And yes, today I know I am not perfect. And today I know that my purpose of life is to, to give over God's message for me and not my own message. And today I, I know that I am living for a purpose, for a real purpose, not to make, you know, people happy and excited with me. Today I know that I have a purpose to make, to do what God wants me to do. And yes, today I know that I can give and get the same way. Yes, I can give what I know and I can get what I don't know because I don't know everything. And today I, you know, I don't want to be a people pleaser. Today I don't want to Today I don't believe in my ego, in my power. Today I want to live in harmony. And when I can live in harmony, when I am connected to a higher power. Thank you, God, that today I know that there is a higher power that loves me and accepts me. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Bella G. And good morning, Harper. Hi, it's Harper Eve from Massachusetts, and um, this whole paragraph is so about me when I'm in the Harper show. I am such a producer of confusion rather than harmony, and uh, it's great for me right now that the program is teaching me that all I have to do is look at my own confusion, my own distress, and know that I have the Harper show on really loud and clear. And I have to change the channel to the God Show. And I have to do that multiple times a day. And I'm so grateful that I now know that the subtleties and more is being revealed about how selfish and self-seeking I am, but that I don't have to be. I can get out of there really fast. And all I have to do is change the channel from the Harper Show to the God Show. And then things start to flow and work out for me. And as long as I'm in the Harper show, everything gets hard. Everything gets confusing. Thank you very much. And thank you, Harper E. And good morning, Carol. Good morning, Sante. Carol, we don't hear you. Hi, good morning, Santa. I can hear you now. Yes, thank you so much. It's Carol G, uh, Recover Compulsive Overeater, and thank you for the meeting, everybody. Um, confusion, Carol Confused G, um, that was me. Um, this amazing chapter um, really begins to prepare us now for inventory because what happened for me when I was going through this chapter was it was beginning to show me how I was going to be freed from the bondage to self this obsession with self, um, you know, when the food's down, the thing that I was focused on so heavily, 
I begin to see the real truth emerging uh, from the depths. It's me, me, me. And, um, you know, my obsession, my, my obsession with trying to get the, the world to run the way I want it to run um, has, has really been the crux of my problem as they start talking about. What's this self that they keep talking about? Um, well, this self for me, it's definitely been blocking me from my higher power. Um, self, this self-seeking part of me, this self, um, self-pitying part of me, this self-propulsion all those things were all me trying to get security and prestige and romance and anything from the world that I thought I needed. Um, and actually, I think that's what really, really blocks me from my higher power, that I get an effect from being in self. I really do. When I'm in self and I'm arranging things to suit myself, um, everything seems to be going really well. I'm actually causing so much confusion. I confuse myself. I confuse others because I wear everybody's hats. And I know it's starting to bring into here the idea that we're on stage, we're playing in this world, this stage, and we're actually a player with a director and all these things are going on. And I try to play all the different various parts. And that's what causes the chaos and the create, you know, for everybody else, basically. And the way in which I, I figured this out for myself was, I did do a lot of studying and I did do a lot of reading, but that wasn't what changed things for me. What helped me was something quite simple. I experienced it by reading this chapter again with a person um, on the line each day for a week. And what I did was just simply insert my name. And I just kind of said things like, what usually happens in Carol's show when it doesn't come off, it doesn't come off too well? And Carol starts to think that life doesn't treat her very well and exerts herself more into these things. Or I'll throw my hands up in the air and I just won't budge. And it was only when I felt myself go through that experience, share that experience out loud with another person, I felt the truth in my heart that I am truly selfish to my core. And that yucky feeling gave me the power to move forward with this process and follow these directions and say, yes, I'm really getting prepared now for inventory. I'm really ready to be free of this bondage to self. Thank you, everybody, and I hope you have a wonderful day and a pass. Oh, thank you, Carol G. Oh, that's Naomi B. Could I share when, I get a, when you get a moment, please? Okay, just one. I certainly will, Naomi B. Thanks, you Okay, if you're just joining us, we're on page 61, sharing um, on an awesome paragraph from Awesome Shares this morning. And before moving on, will anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? I do have Naomi B. Anyone Charles else? H. Thank you, Sandra. Lynn Mary K. Lynn. Mary. Mary K. Okay. Okay, I have Naomi Leia M. And Leia. Suji. Suji. You say Udini? Udini. Udini. Thank you. Okay, I have Naomi B, Charles H, Lynn S, Mary K, Leah M, Suji, and Udini. Good morning, Naomi. Good morning, Santa. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Well, like has been mentioned earlier, I, too, was at a workshop one time, and someone suggested wherever the word he put I. 
and it just brings it right back to what I I became um, I become on the next occasion still more demanding and gracious as as the case may be. It just you know here I become angry, indignant, and self pity self pitying. It just oh, unbelievable, unbelievable. The transformation in my life was. All this pressure was taken off me. The ego was age, was out, and it was God's will. God's God's running the show. The transformation, the confusion, all this craziness was gone, and it's taken so much pressure off me. I I can't say it enough. And with this pressure gone, so the drive for the food is gone, and I just. Now God is a director. God is a father. God is a new employer. And it's so much more peaceful in my life. Yes, I still have crazy moments, but thank God we have the 10th step for that. And I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. But God is perfect, and he runs my show. And thank you so much for allowing me to share. And I pass. And thank you, Naomi B. And good morning, Charles H. Good morning, Santa. Um, thank you for your service. Charles A. is a recovered compulsive overeater just for today. And, um, yeah, this is quite interesting. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show. Who's forever trying to arrange the lights. You know, I was thinking about um, Tradition 1, Unity. I, and I was also thinking about my crazy family, um, like 10 people trying to put lights on a Christmas tree. And I was thinking about my crazy self that I I just get so stressed out. I just try to um, tie all nine of them up. So just leave me alone, buy another Christmas tree, and just arrange the lights myself. You know, <laughs> I mean that's how that's how nuts I am to think that I can control anybody or anything like that. And that brings me also to the thought of you know I know a lot of people say acceptance is the answer, but that whole that whole chapter is good when Max is talking about you know if you had a a wife like mine, you would definitely binge, or you had a situation like mine, and then he thought that, like, right, like she was going to get locked up behind that steel door. Only thing he was on the, the, the other side of the steel door, and she was going home. So, um, I'm an actor every single day, and if I, you know, I act as if sometimes, to be honest with you. And it also, and I have an analogy here, like, I'm sitting here in Harlem, uptown, baby, and I'm at a checker uh, table. Even a simple game, I'm not even going to say chess, but even a sim- simple checker game, I can't control the next move. That guy might know a little something I don't know. And, you know, just like last week somebody did that third step thing, I didn't know nothing about that. I was like, I thought this lady was nuts. But, you know, when I really thought about it, and then I did it myself when she did it with me, I learned something new. I didn't know about that. I'm always learning something new uh, about life. And, and you know, I, I learned that, I'm just a pebble um, or or a pebble on the beach. That's it. You know, one day at a time. I am not that important. No one person is not that important. But together, together, this body here, um, body of of beautiful people with beautiful um, pieces that we bring, we make a masterpiece puzzle together. Because we, because, I mean, you know, we're all broken. You know, and, and not to take your inventory, but we're all broken because if we were as whole 
if I was a masterpiece, I would not be on this line this morning and every morning. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Charles H. Good morning, Lynn S. Good morning, Santa. This is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada, a recovering compulsive overeater. There's two lines that really speak out to me. Is on that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody. And is he not, even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? And, of course, everything in between is is just as important, but those two lines really speak to me. And that was how I lived my life before I came into program, but I didn't know it. But in program, I can remember some of my darkest times, especially with problems at work. I remember taking the big book out to lunch with me and sitting at a restaurant eating my lunch and reading this and just sobbing because that was me on every line. And I was in such a terrible spot. And seeing, you know, when I'm doing something and the words are right there in black and white on the pages of the big book, I know it's my disease acting. And, you know, the pain of it is incredible. But the difference now is I know that even though I'm in it, and I'm doing it right now, and that is my life right now. There is a way out, and that's the difference. And it's amazing. I, I noticed a little bit of this yesterday, but but what's so interesting about it is it's a little bit a, about it. I'm sitting there trying to, you know, make sure my cousins know that their father is quite sick. They're in a different country. They should know. But what I'm really trying to do when I see about it is I think I'm trying to let them know how sick he is, but what I'm really trying to do is impress upon them that they should leave their country and come here and see him or look after him or do something. Also what the difference is, now that I have God in my life and a program of action in my life, I don't react. I don't act on it. I don't act out on it. It doesn't go any farther, but it stops. I sit. I recognize my thoughts on the paper. I work the program about it. I can do a tense step, but more, even before I do all that, and I I forget this when I'm talking sometimes, even before I do all that, I am standing at a turning point. And what do I do then before I do all that other stuff? I ask for God's care and protection with complete abandon. That's one of the biggest things that's coming up to me in our study of the big book now, right now, is enlarging my spiritual connection. So before I run around and do all the work of the steps and do the 10-step turnaround and all that stuff, I pause. I'm at a turning point. I ask for God's care and protection with complete abandon, and then I move forward. I'm, Hi. Thank you. With that, I pass. And thank you, Lynn S. Good morning, Mary Kay. Good morning. This is Mary Kay uh, W. Actually, grateful, <laughs> recovered, not cured, compulsive overeater from Western New York. I remember reading these pages for the very first time um, within the last year because I'm really new to uh, twelve-step. 
uh, work in 12-step rooms, and and I remember relating to these immediately because of the the theater metaphor. And I've had much of uh, many opportunities in my life to be involved in the theater, on the stage, behind the scenes, directing the show type of thing. Even back in high school, I developed the the I was called the big O, the big organizer. And I certainly have learned over the years when I have truthfully looked at, you know, my life and the messes I made in it, um, that the, the, when I was trying to run the show and that I wasn't letting God run the show, because um, I, I had a relationship um, I, I found that relationship very fortunately as a, as a young person, but my ego always got back in the way, and I, I didn't understand that I had a, I had a disease, and, the, and it wasn't until God led me, and I believe that. He led me to these rooms and the, the teachers on these, on these lines, and um, I'm just so very, very grateful. I'm absolutely certain that life really is easier. I used to tell people, like, I don't have time to diet right now. I, I, it, it takes too much energy, too much concentration. And I know, I know that, that life is so much better now when I am living every single day in turning my life and my will over and trusting that that I will be led and I can have confidence and it's going to be imperfect and that's part of the journey. Um, I don't get to be perfect and I don't get to be the director all the time and and I do need to take a humble, quiet back seat many times, more often than not. Uh, thank you and I pass. And thank you, Mary K.W., and good morning, Leah M. Good morning, Santa. Thank you so much for your service. Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if, on- if he only manages well? I mean, certainly when I was first brought through this work, um, you know, my sponsor did a great job of just bringing it to life and um, helping me see this self-bred unmanageability. I remember uh, him telling me, uh, Leia, it's not what you don't know that's your problem. It's what you think you know for sure that's killing you. <laughs> you know what I mean? What you think you know for sure and trying to um, kind of rearrange all the puppets on the stage in order to make that vision, Leia's vision, uh, come to fruition. And what the big book is saying here is that that is creating a mess in my life. And it really was true. And I always use the analogy of those old-fashioned pinball machines where you pull back that heavy spring and the metal bowl is catapulted throughout the machinery. Ding, 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 ding. Boom, boom, boom. The lights are going off and the bumpers are hitting and the ball is just going in a myriad of direction because I wasn't tethered. I wasn't tethered. 
<laughs> I was the ball just going at my own self-propulsion, but I wasn't connected. There was nothing of any depth. And that notion of selfishness, wanting things my way, is at the heart of the big book's approach to the steps. Wanting my way, period, no matter what the motivation. From the perspective of the big book, the motivation of wanting life to go my way is irrelevant. It doesn't matter whether my motivation is good. It doesn't matter. It's just that I'm wanting life to go my way rather than a higher power's way. And my expectations of how life should run were the lenses to the world. You know, were my lenses to the world. And that's what spiritual work today for me is all about, is rearranging and coming into alignment with the greater energy, vision, higher power of the world, rather than my vision. And and it began to make sense to me because I always believed food and weight were my problem. Food and weight were not my problem. Food and weight were symptoms of this separation, this issue here. It was selfishness. It was self-centeredness. It was wanting things to go my way. And through the steps when I brought, was able to bring, because of the steps, God into that equation through the working of the steps. I don't think that way, and I don't eat that way, because I'm not plagued by the delusion that I can wrest satisfaction out of the world if only I manage it well. Thank you so much, Pass. And thank you, Leah M. Good morning, Sue G. Good morning. Thank you for your service, and hi, everybody. This is Suji from Michigan. Um, I've been sitting here and thinking of how many things I could say. You know, I, I mean, I didn't do anything wrong. I, 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 you know, I, I, I didn't turn to food until uh, I was miserable in my marriage. Um, but what made me think that I could change somebody who was the way they were before we were married, um, I got exactly what I saw uh, before I was married. What made me think that when I had a baby screaming 18 hours a day that that um, I was going to get help when I wasn't really, uh, I wasn't getting affection and help when I was asking for it when I was pregnant. So the, the 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 show goes on and on and on and on, and I'm thinking, of course, that if if he or it or they will just change, um, of course things will be different, and I exert myself more, and I keep thinking that you know maybe if I try harder, if I try harder, it's me. I'm doing something wrong. I've got to try harder, but I didn't see that I was trying to run the show. Then I had jobs of responsibility where other people weren't necessarily involved, and I did well. I excelled at that, and I was praised, and and I really was content doing that. It's when other people are involved where I run into snags because um, I know how it should be. And as one person said, you know, I know it's not what I know, but it's what I know that I know. I mean, I know that I'm right, so therefore why won't they listen or why won't he listen? And um, I mean, I'm just learning now that I thought I was walking on eggshells. I thought I was a a good people pleaser. I didn't realize that people pleasing 
can can be harmful. Um, I mean, if I sat on the on the pity pot while I was saying I'm a people pleaser, of course I should have realized it was wrong and that it was, and that it was you know. And I knew later uh, when my kids were teenagers, I knew what I was doing wrong. But why wasn't anyone supporting me and saying, listen to what your mother is saying? Well, because your mother wasn't right, but I thought mother was right. Talking about father knows best, I thought I knew best. And I knew how my teenagers should be acting and behaving and respecting me. And I just went on and on and on and got worse and worse. And I mean, I knew I was at fault, but I, of course, others had to be more at fault than me. And um, so instead of being... so. I was a seeker-pleaser. I still am. I'm still a self-seeker. I, I still um, think I know what I know is right. Therefore, I don't yell and scream about it anymore, but I still right. do speak up for myself. Thank you very much. Uh, with that, I pass. And thank you, Sue G. And good morning, Udini. Good morning. Uh, Thank you, Santa, for your service. Um, Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini from New York, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. So this, what we just read, is the truth. It's the truth, and the truth always sets us free. And this was my problem. I wasn't living in the truth. I was living in my mind. I was living in my thoughts. And that was my problem, the way I was thinking. I was living in my illusions, and I concocted all these stories that I made up. As we say, all actions are born in thought. To think that I can control people, places, and things. To think that if It would only go my way. Everything would be great. To think if others would just listen to me. I mean, I had good intentions. I always had good intentions. But if it went my way, it would be only the right way. And then playing the blaming game, well, this all shouts out self-centeredness, egotistical and dishonesty. You know, my thoughts and my stories. I, I was such a prisoner of my thoughts. And and this is what kept me in darkness. This is where I was disconnected from God, from the light of the Spirit. I got so tired of looking outside of myself for answers. I was such a seeker. You know, and food was never my problem. It was just a symptom. My problem was that I was disconnected. I was in darkness. And I needed to find a power greater than myself. I had to stop playing God. And these steps, these beautiful, awesome steps, take us on this journey to find God to set us right, to live in the truth, to set us free, to be in harmony with God, to be in harmony with myself, and to be in harmony with others. What a life. 
I live a happy, joyous, and free life, and I am so grateful I am recovered. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Eudini. Wow. And thank you all for your service and wonderful shares today. I'm sitting here and listening intensely to everyone sharing, and my eyes were shut, and the thought that came through my mind through every single share, the common thread was acceptance is the answer to my problems today. And thank you so much for for that uh, nugget of wisdom that I need to be reminded of quite often. And thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us um, for the second unrecorded hour setting immediately following closing. We will close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Carrie P. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only, please. I would love to, Santa. Thank you for your service. And this is Carrie P., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.